Hi, and welcome to DaVita Leadership Insights, a weekly podcast for the DaVita teammates who want to become a better leader, both personally and professionally. I am Doug Miller, a master coach and DaVita University faculty member. And I'm Grace Berman, a senior director with DaVita University. Today, we have a special two-guest interview on leading with emotional intelligence. Woohoo! Angie Stevens, a manager on DaVita's IT team, is with us in the studio today. And Lennon Chattervedi, a senior director in IT, is joining us from Team Music City in Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome to the two of you. Welcome. Angie and Lennon, thank you both for joining us today to talk about one of my favorite topics, emotional intelligence. Sometimes we call it EQ for short. It's a pretty popular term floating around now, and uh, but just in case our listeners aren't quite clear on what it is or what it means, why don't we start with a quick question to baseline everyone. How do you think of emotional intelligence? Let's start with you, Angie. Sure. I'd say to put it concisely, it's being aware of your emotions, being aware of others' emotions. And then my favorite part of it is what you do with that information. It's how you manage yourself and how you work with others to really have the ideal impact. Hmm, beautiful. And, and Lennon, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I'll just add a couple of things. I, I think in addition to what uh, Angie said, to me, it's a life skill. Uh, it really is a tool that helps us, you know, become better, more aware of ourselves and our dealings with other people and our relationships. So it really shows up everywhere and in every interaction. So EQ is, it's an absolute tool that, you know, people can learn and get trained. So it's not like IQ and uh, it's just widely important. I love how you guys describe that. And I, I think that's one of the cool things about EQ as compared to IQ is IQ is fixed for the most part at a certain age, whereas EQ, you can keep growing it and developing it as you get older and you actually get better at it, just life experiences. So with that, um, I kind of want to help to further illustrate this for our listeners. And I think um, some examples would be really helpful here. So you're both leaders in the village. Could you please share an example of when you you had to lead with EQ. So in those moments where you were really tested, when maybe you were triggered and um, you got a little bit hijacked there and you weren't showing up the way you wanted to, how uh, did you use EQ in order to get you through it? How did it turn out? So so let's start with Lennon this time. All right. Yeah. I mean, these situations are kind of, you know, arise often and uh, I don't usually do very well all the time, but there are some that do come to mind. Um, actually, there was one recent one. I was in a Bridge of Life mission in Nigeria, and uh, oh, could you tell? Could you speak really quick, Lennon, about uh, what Bridge of Life is for our listeners? Sure. So, Bridge of Life is a not-for-profit organization that Davida helped start, I think, ten years ago or so. They do missions in uh, several different countries. I believe it's twenty or so countries, and there are three kinds of missions. There's primary care missions, there is kidney care screenings, and then uh, you know there are kids camps. So I've been fortunate enough. I've been on six of them, and it's uh, it's just tremendous, soul-fulfilling work that Bridge of Life does. And if you're fortunate enough to all the listeners here in Davida, I would highly encourage that you you know try to get in on one of those. Uh, uh, you will really come back as a changed person. Six of them. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, that's really cool. So sorry, coming back to the example. Uh, so yeah, we were we were in Nigeria, uh, as you can probably imagine. In these camps, there's a lot of people who come. And this was one of our larger missions. We were working with a partner in Nigeria. So there were a lot of volunteers. There were actually three or four different volunteer teams set up. 
And uh, one of them had probably the most uh, difficult station to run, which is the pharmacy. Uh, it requires a lot of hands, and uh, it actually has to run really smooth because by the end of, you know, people having waited out in the sun and then, you know, having waited to see the doctor, then they're waiting on their meds. So the frustration levels are, you know, kind of getting high. It's it's nice and warm in that room. There is no air conditioning or fans. So anyway, it, it was a little chaotic. And, and I walked in and initially my emotions were triggered because, you know, I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? This is pretty chaotic in here. You know, we are not able to dispense very smoothly. And the team that was running, their lead was standing right there. So my natural reaction was, hey, uh, uh, what, what's going on here? And uh, I could tell even in my initial question to him, even though it wasn't that directly accosting or that upfront, uh, that person was getting defensive. That's probably because they needed help. And they did not want somebody, another person coming and asking them what the hell is going on. So I really had to do a self-check. That is the most important thing. You know, just, just catching yourself in those situations where you are getting led by your emotions. And I, I, I was able to do that, luckily, on this occasion. And uh, I realized all this person requires is really help. So rather than me telling him uh, what's wrong, let me just ask him, hey, what do you need? How, how can I help? You know, can we come in and, and, and help you guys sort things out for a little bit? And what is it that you need for us to do? Uh, and it was, it was actually quite remarkable. You can see this in action that that guard immediately dropped. Uh, that defensive posture changed and, and uh, he was very welcoming uh, of, you know, how we can work together and, uh, you know, and kind of do the best that we can. It sounds, I mean, I love this tool or this idea of a self-check. Can you say a little bit more about how do you do that? What does that mean to do a self-check? For, for me personally, I think it's, it varies for each individual because you, each person has their own triggers and you just have to know I mean, for me, just knowing myself, I can get impatient. So my self-check is if, if I am reacting immediately to something and going into my solving mode, that's a self-check. I mean, I try to catch myself every time that I'm trying to simply, you know, try to solve, you know, rather than listening first and maybe trying to understand a little bit better uh, when I'm in that crisis mode, which happens a lot here at our work, uh, I immediately try to, and that's my self-check. If I find myself acting quick, uh, that's something that I try to just pause and think, okay, um, there is something triggering me to, you know, uh, immediately jump to solving and I need to pause. That's really a great illustration of emotional intelligence. That's a wonderful story to share here because I think we all get in those moments where we get triggered and and first step is really to be aware of ourselves and second step is to do that self-check right because first thing is okay I'm feeling a little bit upset right now I'm getting a little triggered here and then what do I do with it so it sounds like you really it turned out to be a, a positive outcome because you were able to to exhibit that emotional intelligence in the moment so um, thank you for that and I'd love to hear Angie kind of uh, a, a story you, you could share with us about how you led with emotional intelligence. I think one of the times I really saw EQ in motion and really saw the impact was when I had to talk to a teammate about their work schedule because they weren't showing up consistently on time. As I started to explain the issue, the teammates became noticeably upset and they started responding very loudly with really big gestures and talking about how unfair this was and how I didn't understand. And I noticed that I started getting defensive. I started feeling my face flush and I started realizing I was going to go into some sort of a fight or flight mode. 
And at that moment, I was like, I, I don't want that outcome. I've had that outcome before. I don't want that to happen again. What can I do differently? Hmm. And at that moment, I didn't know what to do differently. All I did was breathe. Hmm. And I took a deep breath and we sat there for like two to three seconds and it seemed like an eternity. <laughs> but after that, I really just asked, I said, you know, raising voices isn't going to help us get to where we need to be. Yeah. It isn't going to help us have this conversation. Let's try having this conversation with just calm voices. Can we do that? And the teammate, just kind of like what Lennon said, the, the teammates posture changed. They relaxed a little bit. And then we were able to start the conversation when we were really listening to each other, when we were able to hear what her concerns were, what our needs were from the team's perspective, what her needs were. And we were actually even able to self-manage when the, the volume started going up again. We were like, oh, wait, 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 we're getting loud. Let's bring it back down and let's have this conversation. And it was amazing. It was a game-changing moment, that breath and that pause and then to be able to ask for a different course of action instead of just that fight or flight was it, it totally took us into a space we hadn't been to before in our conversation and really helped us reach uh, an, an outcome that worked for both of us. Part of what I'm present to hearing both of these stories is this idea I've heard before about, um, you know, I, I think for me. And oh my gosh, can I see this in my boys? I have a I have two teenagers and there's no space between their reaction and their behavior. They just go from their reaction right into behaving. And what part of what I'm hearing in both of your stories is growing a gap between feeling the reaction and then doing something and how to create just a little bit of space there so you can be more at choice around um, what you're going to do and how you're going to move forward. Thank you both so much for sharing those those times where you were able to overcome that uh, emotional hijacking or, you know, prevent it from happening and be able to lead with emotional intelligence. So really appreciate those examples. Now, here's the tougher one, I think, is uh, we're asking you to share this in front of all of our DeVita teammates and, and whoever can access this podcast uh, via the public, which is, can you share a time where you failed to lead with emotional intelligence? So you both talked about giving yourself that time a little bit of a breath in between your um, feeling, uh, your emotional kind of reaction, and your response to that. So could you share maybe a time where you didn't do that as well, and you you weren't using emotional intelligence? How did, how did that turn out? So let me start with Angie this time. Sure. Um, got it. So not so flattering moment to, for, to share with everyone. Got yes, it. Yes, everyone. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you, by the way, for both being on this podcast. <laughs> Did I mention that? <laughs> uh, so, yes, many to choose from. Um, I know. So one that really comes to mind was that I had a, a teammate that was struggling with what they were doing. They weren't meeting expectations. They were um, they were coming up with a lot of reasons or maybe excuses as to why they couldn't or why they shouldn't. Uh, and it, it was a frustrating situation. And honestly, I, I let it go on too long as their manager to the point where the team was bringing it to me. The team was trying to manage it for me, I let it go on too long. Uh, 
so realizing that, uh, realizing I needed ha- needed to have a performance management conversation, I really tried to prepare for that conversation by trying to not only anticipate what I was going to say, but anticipate what they were going to say and what were their motivations and what was behind it and just figure it all out so that I would be totally ready for the conversation. And really effectively, what I think I was doing was armoring up. Mm, yeah. Mm. To say more about that. I was... I was embarrassed that I hadn't managed the situation earlier, so I wanted to go into this conversation being right. I wanted to go in, having done all my homework, I was trying to do the right thing, uh, but also armoring up or preparing, protecting myself so that the conversation was going to go in the way that ended up with Angie being right. And as a result, I went into that conversation, I wasn't ready to listen, I was ready to be right, and that was probably one of my main my main drivers in that. That sounds like a great lesson and a great moment for you. What what um what's what's present as you share that story in terms of a lesson or a learning for you? If you were looking at me face to face, you'd see my face is flushed. Uh the idea of of being embarrassed of where I didn't show up, um, but also very aware that I wasn't really being honest with my responses to that scenario then, uh, hoping, of course, now that I've learned that lesson that, you know, waiting doesn't make it necessarily better uh, and that there's there's no shame in taking the action. Um, it's important to step in uh, and manage the situation no matter when you do it. But it was much more work than it needed to be, and it wasn't as effective as it could have been. And I sat there going, you know, if I would have, you know, knowing what I know now, if I could have brought EQ to that, it would have been such a relief for me. So it, it would have been an easier path for me, hopefully a better experience for her, and probably a better outcome too. I just, it, I just didn't have that. I don't know. I, I wasn't able to bring that to that scenario. Yeah, thank you for that. And um, Lennon, we'll we'll turn it to you now. Could you share one of those um, not not one of your proudest moments on on the air with everyone? I'll share a personal one because uh, that's one area where uh, I have actually realized that I don't apply uh, my emotional intelligence a whole lot. Uh, I, I'm a lot more aware and conscious in professional settings than I'm in personal settings. So. So we actually had a, uh, we play cricket. So uh, since a lot of listeners might not know what cricket is, I'll try to use baseball analogies and hopefully people know uh, the rules for that. But anyway, we, uh, we have a team here mostly formed from people at work. Um, and and we, we played our first tournament for the season and it was our first game. Uh, and um, just like in baseball, you have batters and pitchers and catchers and, and all this good stuff. And, and I go first into bat and... Uh, that's my role. Uh, I'm one of the batters, you know, who's supposed to kind of, you know, get some runs for the team. Uh, and I failed miserably. And this was not even a good pitching attack. So uh, needless to say, I, I came back to the dugout fuming. I, I was just livid with myself. And, uh, you know, I mean, I was muttering to myself and my face was probably, you know, uh, you could tell by the expressions that I was uh, extremely agitated. And I just sat there. I, I came back. I, I, I threw my gloves on my on my kid bag and and I was just sitting there and and like I said I, I was just in really really bad state of mind and uh, in in doing that uh, I didn't realize in that moment and we had next two or three batters go in and they all failed for the next twenty minutes our dugout was you know as if someone died it was it was that quiet and it was uh, you know we were not having any fun uh, that's uh, kind of you know totally against why we play the game and uh, in fact when I saw the teammates not speaking and saw their faces they were looking glum 
that social awareness kind of gave me the self awareness that oh my god I, I have I have behaved very poorly because uh, I I really couldn't have done anything once I was out I was out but but the way I have been behaving in the dugout for the last twenty minutes is actually not only not helping anybody it's probably making them think that the pitchers are scarier than they really are because if I got out so easily maybe it's very hard to bat so in any case I, I again. I, it was it was just one of those things where you realize it's not necessarily what you say, but but your body language and your actions and, and your emotions, you know, all those things that create an impression uh, on on different people, uh, you know, and and different people take it very differently. So, uh, I like I said, it was it was not a very proud moment. We we lost the game quite bad, and and I'm still living with myself. It's been a week and a half. So <laughs> thanks for sharing that. What I think is really cool about your example here is that you gave a personal example. And I think I think we all um, have have been there in some situation where we felt like, well, we're, we're not the leader of this team or we're not, you know, we're not the coach in, in your example, except everything we do still speaks and makes an impact on others. And emotional intelligence isn't certainly isn't just for leaders in our village to think about uh, those who are in management or leadership roles, but for everybody, every every you know everyone, their action speaks, and so we can make or break an entire team just based on how we show up. Well, it does, and there's there's one more thing I'll add when I reflected on that actually uh, later on is is leaders actually lead you know when you fail. That's a higher test of your leadership than when you succeed. I think that's really uh, uh, an important point around your emotional intelligence really shows under some sort of pressure, whatever that pressure or strain is, that's when um, you get to find out who people really are. So I think that emotional intelligence can help you navigate that territory really, really, really well. So unfortunately, we're at that time and um, where we're going to have to be coming to a close. But before we do, we always end our interviews by asking for one practical thing that you would ask our teammates to go out and try right away to lead with emotional intelligence. Lennon, let's start with you. What would you suggest our, our, our teammates go out and try? Yeah, I mean, the first and foremost, I would just say, listen, just, just, just listen, because uh, 90% of the time, people are simply waiting for the other piece, other people to stop talking so they can say their piece. They are really not listening. And I see that. I've been guilty of that in my career. I still find, I still catch myself doing that every now and then. Uh, just, just you know, uh, don't focus on trying to be right. Just, just listen and ingest and, and absorb other people's perspectives. And uh, for the most part, things will be okay. But, but uh, you know, uh, that's what I would say. Excellent. And Angie, what would you add? Yeah, I would build on that. So as you're listening, the other piece of it to me is getting curious about the other person's perspective. Uh, as we heard in my not so bueno, not so good example, uh, I, when I didn't get curious about somebody else's perspective, it really made it made everything more difficult. So get curious about somebody else's perspective. Ask questions. Hey, how does that land for you? Hey, what does that look like to you? What are your thoughts on this? And keep asking. Ask three to four different times. It can be the same question to really get their perspective, not just their answer so you can talk again. So asking those questions to really get an honest-to-goodness sense of their perspective so that you can act on actual data, not made-up information you may have created in your head. 
Great. Those are great suggestions. Yeah, thank you both so much for being here. I really appreciate you taking the time and for, for sharing your stories with our teammates so that they can learn from those examples. So thank you very much. I know this is a tough topic. Well, thanks for having us. Thanks for the opportunity. Well, that was a fun chat with Angie and Lennon. It sure was. I love their tips at the end. When you get triggered, do a self-check to make sure you're not solely trying to prove your point, but that you're truly open to other perspectives. I think that's a really important step that I know sometimes I'm not completely square with before I move on to the next thing. And and I like Angie's follow-on to, to Lennon's uh, tip there is to not only do that and get your mindset right, but to also get curious about the other person's perspective by asking probative questions. Love that. Yeah, those were really good tips. And speaking of tips, Grace, I think it might be my turn. Yes, it is. To follow up on a tip from our last episode with Maggie Anderson. And her tip was to ask for feedback on whether you're getting the right stuff done from your boss, from other teammates, from your friends, from your family, from um, your pets. Yeah, uh, pet, you know. yeah. I'm excited to hear the Felix feedback you got. Felix Felicis, <laughs> our family dog. No, I'm just kidding. Felix has not given me any feedback. Um, I just had an opportunity right before walking in this room, actually, to have a great conversation with my boss. Oh. And to get feedback on uh, from him around um, around some things. And it was really good because what we came to was a really positive solution that can keep us both um, accountable and up to speed with what's happening and what's next, um, what's going to be happening next. So it was a really, it was a really great, impactful conversation that will um, support us in, in getting some really great things done. Oh, that's cool. So it's it was a helpful then for you, Doug, to make sure that you get that feedback on whether you're getting the right stuff done. Yes. Were you getting the right stuff done? Well, the other thing that I'll acknowledge is I have on my to-do list to book time with you to get feedback around how we're doing here oh. and how the podcast is going. Perfect. So also going to ask you so you can be prepared. Can we do that live on, on, on the podcast? Air. And I can give you that. Awesome. Can you give yes. me that feedback too? Excellent. We could demonstrate. I'm willing to explore that possibility. <laughs> maybe. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, way to go, Doug. That's I think that's really um, a great example to set. So thank you for setting that. And for our listeners, we would love to hear your stories and tips as well. So please check out our show notes and click on the listener mail link to find out more about how to submit your stories and tips in writing or through a voice message. And if you enjoy these podcasts, please also rate us on iTunes or click on the survey link in the show show notes so we can uh, figure out what we're doing well and in places where we can improve. And we will see you all next week. One for all. And all for one. <laughs>